I want to spend a few minutes talking about uh, focus, specifically uh, maintaining our, our spiritual focus. You, you've probably seen in the bulletin, the text we're going to look at is Luke 24, uh, verses 13 to 35, a very familiar passage, the, the two on the road to Emmaus, so we'll, we'll dig in, into that in just a few minutes. But isn't it easy for us to lose focus? I don't know about you. I'm guessing the same is true for you. It's very easy for me to become distracted and lose focus on whatever it is I'm focused on. We, we, we see this tendency in many areas of life. You know, corporations have seminars on how to maintain focus at work. Uh, management uh, meets with folks weekly, sometimes even daily, and the, the purpose of those meetings is to be able to keep the focus, to, to reemphasize the focus, to make sure we don't lose track of what we're focused on. We admire men and women who climb a difficult road and reach a high and lofty position of success, and inevitably, when asked what was key to them reaching their success, they say, among other things, they, they, they had a particular goal and they were able to keep their focus. They maintained their focus in order to be able to reach that goal. And we admire folks like that because not everybody has that, that single-mindedness and determination about life. So, so we admire the, those kinds of folks. Now, obviously, when a, when a person with a worldly goal loses focus, the end result is, well, they don't attain the prize, right? They, they, they don't hit the mark. They don't reach their goal if they lose focus. In running a race, if, if, if a runner looks back during the race, obviously, they're not focused on the, the goal. They're focused on what's behind them. They're in danger of tripping and falling, and the end result of losing focus in a race is you ain't going to win that race. You're, you're, you're going to lose. You're going to fall short. In business, what about losing focus in business? Um, when you lose focus in business, it, it gives the competition the opportunity to, to, to swoop in at the last minute and steal a prospective client or just look more attractive or offer a better package. But what happens to a Christian who loses focus? What, what happens to us when we lose our spiritual focus, particularly what happens to our relationship with Christ when we lose our spiritual focus. So now we're going to look at, at this passage, Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. I will, I will read this for us from the NIV, um, and I'd like to invite you, whenever we read from the Gospels, you, you understand, we invite you all to stand out of respect for the reading of the Gospels. So since we're reading from the Gospels, I'm going to invite you, if you're physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as I read this for us. Again, this is Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. The story of the two on the road to Emmaus. This is the NIV, the New International Version. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. 
about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Father, thank you for the truth and power of your word this morning. We pray that you would help us to understand what you're saying to us through this text and we pray you would help us to respond in obedience. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Please have a seat. So again, a very familiar passage. The first thing we notice about these two individuals is they they seemingly aren't going anywhere with any purpose. Uh, We we don't know who these men were except that one of them was named Cleopas. They they were not part of the chosen 11, we know, uh, because when they went back to to Jerusalem, it says they found the 11 and those with them in verse 33. So, so these two were, were likely not there, not present, when Jesus told his disciples that after his crucifixion he would meet them in Galilee. And, and, and that, I think that points out something very interesting for us. The 11 were told to go to Galilee, but their unbelief kept them hiding in Jerusalem. H- had they obeyed, uh, these other two disciples would not have found them in Jerusalem. And had the 11 believed Christ's words, they certainly would have told others, hey, come with us, we're going to Galilee because we're going to be able to see the risen Jesus. The the point is that our unbelief or a lack of focus doesn't just affect us, it it affects others as well. Did did these two men have any pressing business in Emmaus? Well, maybe, but, but not likely, probably not. First of all, we, we, we get the impression that they're just strolling along, talking gloom and doom to each other. And secondly, that they were simply going home, as verse 28 indicates that they, they had a place to stay there. And, there. and there's also the fact that once they recognized him, it says they, they got up at once and returned back to Jerusalem to go and tell the others. So, so if they did have any purpose in Emmaus, it certainly is not obvious. 
the, the point is, when, when we lose our focus, we wander. We, we, we wander spiritually. We, we don't have a clear vision or direction about where we're heading. Uh, we end up accomplishing nothing. We end up somewhere other than where we're supposed to be. And ultimately, the end result is disobedience because of our unbelief. That's one condition of Christians who lose their focus. Another condition of Christians who lose focus is, is a loss of joy. The, these two disciples were sad. They're, they're, they're downhearted. Jesus approached them asking, what are you discussing together as you walk along? In verse 17, we read, they stood still, their faces downcast. Again, the disease was contagious. The, the 11 were in hiding grieving and and verse 33 refers to those who were with them all having their own private pity party now i'm I'm not saying that i would have responded differently Uh, we we know that they were grieving the death of of jesus the one they loved so much the one they had put all their hope and trust in I, i understand that but they had been told outright by jesus before his death that he would rise on the third day and meet them in galilee And in addition to that, some who had seen the empty tomb and Mary herself, who had seen him alive, even spoke with him, had all come running back to the city with this good news to tell them. And they still didn't believe. Why? Because they had lost their focus. And finally, another condition of Christians who lose focus is that depressing speech, depressing things come out of their mouths. Again, Jesus asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? This was a challenge. Jesus is saying, are are you listening to yourselves? Is this faith talking? No. Is this unbelief talking? Yes. (laughs) Jesus is saying to them, I've taught you spiritual truth. I, I have told you what was going to happen, and it now has happened. And your conversation clearly indicates that not a word of it has taken root. What are you discussing together as you walk along? This is the condition of Christians who've lost their focus. They become preoccupied with the circumstances of their world instead of resting and trusting in the promises of God. You know, we say that we believe and trust in a risen Savior. We, we say that we've died to ourselves and we're alive and risen in Christ. We say we have the Holy Spirit at work within us. And yet, doesn't he often have to challenge us with this same question? What are you discussing together as you walk along? Again, we become so preoccupied with our circumstances, we, we lose focus. What are you discussing together as you walk along? Why are you complaining? Why are you moping over the circumstances around you? Why are you worried about the condition of your country or the stock market or the weather forecast or the standings of your favorite baseball team? Why, why do we worry about just about anything but the right thing? We can become so preoccupied with these things that we don't recognize him when he's trying to speak to us because we've lost our focus. And and, and do we change any of those situations by our depressing conversations? No, not, not a bit. We simply make ourselves miserable. We bring others down with us. And ultimately, we, we really dishonor the name of Christ 
with that kind of speech. Remember, people judge our God by what they see in us, right? This, this is what author Brennan Manning had in mind when he said, and I quote, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. I think he's right. When we lose focus and fall into all the worldly uh, snares that trap the rest of the world, what, what image do people form of the one whom we call our Lord and our Savior, the one in whom we've placed our hope based on what they see in us? What image do they form in their minds? Again, they can't see him except through us, through, through our example, through our speech, through our actions. So, so let's spend these last few minutes here this morning talking about what our focus should be, what, what our focus must be if we are to live victorious Christian lives. We, we can clearly see that whatever the focus was of, of the various people listed in this chapter, um, none of them had the proper focus. None of them had the right focus. All the disciples are scattered in doubt, in perplexity, and fear, some running to the tomb, some coming from the tomb, some going to Emmaus, some huddling together in Jerusalem, all of them in various states of mind and various conditions of heart. But the one thing that brings them all together again, the one thing that sets their hearts right and brings them victory is a personal vision of the risen Jesus himself. We've already mentioned Mary, right? We, she was at the tomb earlier that morning. She saw him. She recognized him. She spoke with him. She was sent back to tell the others. And now she's off rejoicing somewhere. Her life changed forever. And now what about these two on the road to Emmaus? Jesus approaches them. He walks with them. He shares the scriptures with them. He breaks bread with them. And when they finally recognize who it is, when they finally recognize him, their focus returns, and it is sharper than it has ever been. They, they, they've gone from, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, in verse 21, to, were not our hearts burning within us while he shared the scriptures with us on the road, in verse 32. And as they later talk to the 11 and the others in Jerusalem, Jesus appears in the, room, in the room with them. He graciously forgives their weakness, forgives their disobedience, shows them compassion even in the face of their failure and unbelief. And he says this in verse 39. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And the next thing we see of them is that they, along with more than 100 others, are, are gathered together in the upper room, um, praying and waiting on the Lord, that's faith, as they had been instructed to do, that's obedience. By the way, faith and obedience play a very big part in maintaining our spiritual focus. Faith and obedience. If we are to live victorious Christian lives, our focus must be not on the church, not on the pastor, 
not on our own expectations, not on any individual in the church, not on the circumstances around us, certainly, but only on the risen Christ himself. Because no one comes face to face with Jesus and goes away unchanged. Preacher and author C.H. McIntosh wrote this. He writes, there is power in the presence of a risen Savior to solve our difficulties, remove our perplexities, calm our fears, ease our burdens, dry our tears, meet our every need, tranquilize our minds, and satisfy every craving of our hearts. Some were so wrapped up in grief, that was all they could think about. Some were so blinded by their sadness that they would not believe until they saw him himself. Some were so despondent that they would not believe and they were not convinced until he, with his own words and actions, was able to convince them. But all of them, all of them, once he was significantly present and real to them, all of them were changed forever. They regained their focus and they literally went out and turned the world upside down. Focus. This is why Paul wrote in Philippians 3, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The formula is simple. Focus on Jesus and walk in victory. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, put you together, spirit and soul, body and mind, and make you fit for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the one who called you is completely faithful and dependable, and he will do this. So go in his grace and his strength today. God bless you as you go.